So stereotypically, men are pretty stubborn, right? Have you heard that? Ah. <laughs> I'm coming out, guns are blazing. Um, it, it truly is, because when you back up, like there's also a stereotype about women being stubborn, right? Like when you think about it, we have both of those. So people are stubborn, we can agree on that. But like men have this, there's this like stereotype, this like quintessential man who doesn't use like, um, doesn't use instructions to put together a piece of furniture, like that guy, you know? Um, are you that guy? Gentleman in here. Put your hand up if you don't use instructions. You just like to guess. We're going to, Zach, my man, we're going to kill that stereotype together. Uh, I, I'm sorry, Zach. I am an instructions person. I don't know what it is about the way I'm wired, but like, I like instructions. I like uh, some guidance and that kind of thing. Um, you know, like, for me, everything that, so I'm thinking of like when my dad taught me how to change a tire, like something like that, I would just, I guess maybe I could intuitively figure, intuitively figure it out. But like the first time I do that, I'm guaranteed for my tire to just fall off and me run off the road, right? Like there are high stakes involved. So like my dad taught me how to change a tire. I can remember that uh, to the point where one time I remember walking out of the house and my dad was like, hey, we got to change the tire before we leave. You're like, what? We have like five minutes? I felt like a pit crew for NASCAR. We was just so fast. My dad and I changed his tire. It was, I don't know why I remember that, uh, but it was, a, it was a good moment. But like, I had no idea where to even start without instruction from my dad. And so when I'm thinking about like being a Christian and what it means to follow Jesus and walk with Jesus, and we talk about a transformation of our lives and how everything is different after you follow Jesus, but no one expects you to instinctively know what that looks like. No one expects you to just be able to guess what being a Christian is. Is all about. And that's why it's important to come to church, to read your Bible and pray and spend time with Christian friends. But like you need to spend time learning the basics, learning what it means to be a Christian, what it means to follow Jesus. So tonight, we're going to be starting a series called Basic. And uh, we've done this a couple times before, and it's really cool because I think I'm hoping that something new pops out to you uh, through this series if you've heard it before, but maybe you haven't. Um, and that's very great as well. So we're going to talk about the basics of Christianity. We're not talking about Dunkin' Donuts or Ugg boots. Um, are Ugg boots still basic? Do people still wear those? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> Tonight we're talking about the basics. What it means. What, what it means to follow Jesus. The basics. The foundation of being a Christian. And uh, I think it's a really a timely discussion. So recently we've been. I feel like recently we've been really deep in the Bible. Does anyone agree? We, you know, we we took really close looks at you know Sunday school uncensored or some like older stories that we know pretty well, but we went really deep. We talked about Hosea, like we went really deep. Um, so I'm I'm excited to kind of zoom out and, and and start back at the base level because I learn something new every time I, I talk about the basics. Um, so we're going to be talking about foundational things for Christianity. So tonight we're going to be talking about worship, basic worship. What does it actually mean to worship? Um, and we're going to use three questions to kind of guide our discussion. Why, when, and how do we worship? Why do we worship? When should we worship? And how do we worship? Let's pray to start off. God. Thank you so much for this beautiful evening you've given us, God, this great group of teenagers that is here, that is hungry for more of you, that wants to learn more about you, God. Uh, I pray that you bless everything that comes out of my mouth, because I don't want this to be about me or what I think needs to be said, God, but guide our discussion tonight. Uh, let every word be from you and not from me tonight. So uh, have your hand on everything we do. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. The most basic question that we can talk about for worship is why. Why, why do we 
Why should we worship God? Um, and, and the simple answer is because be, is that be, <laughs> the simple answer is because God deserves it. Why should we worship? Because God deserves our worship. So let me paint a picture for you in Scripture. Um, so the, God's leading the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, and and you may be familiar with some of this story. And He parts, you know, the Red Sea like the first time. That's not the only time God parted water for the Israelites to walk on. The second time he parts the Jordan River. Um, And so the Israelites walk through the Jordan River and they're like on the other side. And if God's ever brought you through something in your life, you kind of know what this is like to stand on the other side of an obstacle that looked like there was no way around. You know, I've had that in my life. And so they're like on the shore, like looking back at dry ground where, where the river should be like, that's mind blowing. Um, and God tells Joshua, who's leading the Israelites at this time, he tells Joshua to have 12 stones brought from the bottom of the river, bring them up onto the shore. So go down to the river, bring 12 stones from the bottom, and bring them back up to the shore. And this is Joshua 4, verses 6 and 7. This is what it says. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So he says, take these stones, build an altar, build a a monument of some kind on the shore. And it's going to be how you remember the miracle that happened on this day. So God is teaching them to commemorate and to worship God for what he's done. He's teaching them, um, remember what I did and worship me for it. He's teaching them this pattern of worship, remember and worship, to the point where he says, you can even tell your kids about this. Your kids are going to see the stones, and they're going to say, what is that giant pile of stones about? And you can tell them about the day that I, your God, brought you through the water, stopped the water so that my people could cross the Jordan River. And for you, uh, God maybe hasn't parted any waters for you, but but there's a great chance if you've been walking with Jesus for long, or maybe you haven't, but you can look back at a time in your life and see an obstacle that you went through, but there's no way that you could have just done that alone. You know, there's, there's, I know that I look back at my, like the pain of my past and I can say to myself, how am I here today? There's just no way that Chris could have done that. There's no way that I could have done that alone. And I'd say that my God was with me through my struggle. He was with me through my pain and he brought me through the water. He brought me through on dry land. And that doesn't mean that I'm immune from that pain. It doesn't mean that when you're a Christian, your life is super easy. But it means that you have help. It means that your God is going to help you through obstacles that seem overwhelming. So so maybe it wasn't water for you, but you can look back and say, I can see what that, that time was. I can see that pain, that obstacle. And God brought me through it. And for that, I need to take some stones, build an altar, and praise him for what he's done. And when people ask me, when people ask me, how did you get through that? You can say, because my God is so big that even this huge obstacle couldn't stop him. You can say you can point to God in those circumstances. So take an inventory of what you're thankful for and what God has brought you through and use that as fuel for your worship. Use that um, to focus on God and thank God for the things he's done for you. If you're new and you're like, I haven't been thinking about this, so like I can't even think of what God has brought me through. Let me just lay out a couple things for you. He like created you. <laughs> he like 
takes care of you. You have breath in your lungs every morning. That's You have a conscious mind. Like You have things to be thankful for. And if nothing else, um, we believe that, that humans on earth had free will to make poor decisions and bad decisions that take us away from God. We'll call it sin. And when we sin, it, it creates separation from God. And God saw that sin and he saw that separation and said, I'm not cool with that. So he's, he came <laughs> to earth in the form of a man named Jesus and said to pay for those sins, to get rid of that separation, I'm willing to die on a cross. And that's why churches have that crucifix on the wall. That's why this this Jesus fella is associated with the church because we believe he is God, came to earth in the form of man, and died on a cross for us. That's the basics. <laughs> that's what we believe. And that is something to be thankful for because without that, we were destined for eternity in hell. We were destined for eternal torment and pain and separation from God. Without payment for our sin, we have separation from God. And God came to earth and died on a cross so that we could have eternity with him in heaven and life abundantly on earth. That's a nutshell. But we talk about worship in two different ways. Um, one is the music at, typically at the beginning of a church service. So we're going to put that at the end tonight so that you have some frame of reference for worship tonight. But um, that's the one way that we talk about worship is music. And the second way is a, white, a lifestyle of worship. Uh, and a lifestyle of worship is one that's devoted to God. When you are living your life, when you care about God's commands, you just care what God has to say. That's a lifestyle of worship. When you um, when you live the way he's called you to live, or you want to. When you spend your time thinking about how you can get closer to living the way God wants you to live, that's a lifestyle of worship. It's, it's an attitude of appreciation for what God has done for you. An attitude of appreciation. That's what a lifestyle of worship is. And the second thing is the time at the beginning of service, where we sing songs about how good our God is. We put words on the screen, and we sing to him, and we, we thank him for who he is and for what he's done to us. Uh, And you may not know this, but the Bible commands us to sing. This is, yes, girl, this is a, this is something that I've kind of been processing recently because people have told me that like, they're just not musically people, music people. So they just stand in worship and just kind of stare at the screen and say like, yeah, I'm, I'm worshiping in my mind. And like, that sounds good. But the Bible over 50 times commands us to sing. It doesn't, it's not a suggestion on how to worship. It's a command on how to sing. And when I read the Bible and I see that, and then I like take a step back and say, like, it's easy for me because I am musical. So like that comes naturally to me. But I feel like, I think people hide behind their inability to sing and, and use it as a, a distance from worship. Um, and God never says to sing well. He just says, lift up for your voice. He just says, sing to me. Because music is a spiritual thing. And we're, that's a whole different sermon. <laughs> but music is a, sp- a special spiritual thing. And that's why God commands you to sing. Because there are ways that music can take you down the wrong path. And you listen to any modern music, well, not any, but a lot of modern music, and you can see what that looks like. You can see some stuff that shouldn't be a part of your life, and that's obvious. Music can take you down the wrong path. That's because music is not just sound in your ears. Music is something special. And that's why God says, give me your music. Ouch, right? Because, like, I don't want him to have all my music. Like, I want to be able to listen to whatever I want. But when God says, I'm not saying that you only have to listen to the Christian station. That's Don't hear what I'm not saying. Um, but God says, surrender to me your music. Sing to me. Give me your voice. Because that's how good he is. He deserves a complete surrender. 
So that's why he commands us to sing. He says, give me your music because that's a special spiritual thing. So that's why we sing. Because God deserves it. That's why God deserves it. The next question is, um, when? When should we worship? What is an appropriate time? This isn't necessarily a time of day question, but more of a, a season of life question. And the easy answer, the quick answer is all the time. God is good. All the time and all the time. God is good. I've heard two sermons on this. One says, it's easy to worship in the bad times when all you have left is God. You lost everything and all you can do is give everything to God. But in the good times, it's easy to forget him and leave him and you get distracted. Sermon number one. I've also heard it's easy to worship God in the good times because he's provided for you, because he's He's get, filled all your needs so you, it's easy to worship him. It's harder to worship in the bad times when you feel distant, when you can't see him. If both of those things are true, that tells me that it is both easy and hard to worship God all the time. <laughs> Right? That says to me that, that it's my choice. Like, it, whether the circumstances, no matter what the circumstances are, I have to make a decision whether I'm going to worship God or not. And I'd say, I would argue that at any time in your life, b- both the good and the bad, it is important to worship Jesus regardless of the circumstance. That's not, circumstance is not what worship is about. It's not just about thanking God for taking care of you right now or begging God to save you from what you're going through right now. It's an attitude of appreciation for who he is and what he's done. So there's a man in the Bible who wrote most of the New Testament. His name is Paul. Uh, and Paul was really good at worship. And he wrote the, uh, the book of Philippians, which is a letter to the church in a city called Philippi. Philippians 4.13 says this. This is a verse you may have heard before. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You may have heard different versions. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That kind of thing. This, um, this verse is important to look at because if you take it out of Philippians 4, like this number 13 here means it's one sentence or so out of a bigger work. Because this is a letter to the church in Philippi. So imagine any letter you've ever written. Could you just like take a sentence out of whatever letter you've written and apply it to whatever you want in your life? Can you see how that's dangerous? <laughs> right? So this is an entire letter, a work that, that Paul wrote in its entirety to the church in Philippi. So when you look at the rest of this chapter, Paul is actually talking about like contentment and money. And he says, there have been times in my life where I've had stuff. Like, I've had money. I've been t- well taken care of. Everything is fine. And in those times, I can worship God. And he also says, there have been times where I had nothing. Where I, I, it was hard to count. It was easy to count my blessings because it didn't take very long. Like, I didn't have a lot to be thankful for. But in those times, I was still praising God. I was still worship God. And it's through God's strength and that contentment that I was able to worship him. I can do all this. I can worship him in all times. I am content in all circumstances through him who gives me strength. So it's important to understand the context here. He's saying no matter what your circumstances is. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. No matter what your circumstances are, you can be content through God who gives you strength. Did he mean it? Right? That's an easy thing to say. But did he really mean it? Um, so there's another story where Paul and a friend of his named Silas, they actually come across this, this little girl who was a, enslaved. Uh, and she was also possessed by a demon. So this girl was in a, a, a tough situation. And Paul and Silas actually cast the demon out of this girl. And um, you'd think that that's like a great thing. The problem is this: the, the slave owners of this girl were using the demon 
for profit. They were using this girl and the demon inside her to like tell fortunes of people in the town and like all kinds of weird stuff that like the demons can do. Like, and when so when Paul got rid of this demon, suddenly with the demon goes these people's revenue. Like they don't have a way to make money anymore, so they're upset and they go and they just like start spreading rumors about Paul and Silas just got rid of my stream of revenue. They're bad. We got to get rid of them. And they get an angry mob together, um, and this angry mob takes Paul and Silas to the authorities and say. Do something about this. We're all very, very upset, so you need to do something. So they have Paul and Silas beaten and stripped naked and imprisoned because of what they did. This is what happens next. In Acts 16.25, the book of Acts is uh, the Acts of the Apostles, the early, some of the actions that happened in the early church. So this is what the verse says in Acts four. I mean, Acts 16.25. About midnight, Paul and Silas, while imprisoned and beaten and naked, uh, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. That's really interesting. This is another thing where context is important because this verse out of nowhere is like, cool, that's a great thing to do. Um, but when you know that they are naked and beaten and bruised in prison, like that gives this verse a different perspective. Um, different translations use the word robustly singing. They weren't just like humming a tune. They were jamming. They were worshiping God loudly while they were covered from head to toe in bruises and they were sore and shackled. They were still worshiping God. That's true worship. No matter what your circumstances are, he was able to say, uh, I worship God in the good and in the bad. And that's an important lesson to learn from Paul. For you, this means that we need to worship God unconditionally. It doesn't matter what's in the good and in the bad. We need to, to worship God, because he deserves it, whether our circumstances are good or not. God is still worthy, whether you're having a good or a bad day. He's still worthy of worship. So keep worshiping. So now we understand why we should worship and when we should worship. So we have to get to the most practical question, and that is how. How do we worship? What does that really look like? Um, and the simple answer is in spirit and in truth. And that comes from a verse here. Um, in my life, I had to um, learn how to change a tire for my dad. I had to take the time to learn how to do that. But my dad taught me. He didn't leave me alone to figure it out. He taught me. And for me, God took the time to teach me how to worship as well. Because I grew up in church, but like nobody really sat down and explained worship. And no matter how much someone explains worship, like you really got to have a moment with God to get it. And so I was at convention. I've told many of you that I've been going to convention for like so many, many years, like 15 or so, um, 12, 13, something like that. Um, because that convention in 2006, Michael Gunger was leading worship. And this is, this was my moment where God really taught me how to worship. Like I surrendered my life to God, uh, my thoughts, you know, I was focused on him in worship and it was the first time I'd ever lifted my hands in worship. And to some of you, that's weird. To some of you, it's what you do. But for me at 12, 12 years old or so, this was like new. Like, this isn't something I'd ever done before. So I'm raising my hands in worship. I was crying. And, like, a lot of times when you're in the presence of God, you're going to cry. But you certainly don't have to. And I would never measure, use your your tears as a measuring stick to having a moment with God. But for me, that was what happened. When I opened my heart to God, I was crying. So I'm a man, and I cry, and it's okay. So I, I'm encouraging you to open your heart. When you open your heart to God, things are going to happen. This is what the Bible says about how to worship. John 4, 23 through 24 um, says this. 
Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So we have two things here, in spirit and in truth. And first we have this... We talk about a forward lean in the Bible. Um, if you've been here for some time, you may have heard me say that before. The whole Bible, the entire Bible is about Jesus and what he came to do. And so when we see this verse, he says, yet a time is coming and has now come. He's, he's talking about this forward lean. This is Jesus um, talking here, and he's saying that, like there is a time, things are a changing. Jesus came to die and then leave. Like he went back to heaven, and he's saying here that when I leave, something's going to change with the way humans interact with God. So when Jesus left, he sent the Holy Spirit. The Father sent the Holy Spirit, and what the difference is is that like before, God dwelled in a building. He was in a temple. But when Jesus came and died and arose into heaven, the Holy Spirit came, and now the temple is me and you. The temple is the person who accepts Jesus as their Savior. That's this this forward lean. He says things are changing. Um, where it doesn't, he's having a conversation with someone about where to worship. He's like, he's saying it's not going to matter where you are in the world as much anymore because a time is coming when in spirit and in truth you're going to worship. You're going to worship in you because the Holy Spirit resides in you. So two things, in spirit and in truth. So first, what does it mean to worship in spirit? The way I see it is we're talking about a real spiritual experience where like your physical body doesn't necessarily have a lot to do with it, but it's your inward uh, attitude. It's your inward experience, a spiritual experience. And I say like focus is like a huge part of worship because for me, I'm easily distracted. So for me, like a huge part of worship is just thinking about God, just keeping my mind focused on him on, on, and if I have trouble, like I'll I'll go back to the basics. I'll say, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross because you couldn't stand to be uh, separated from me. Like focused attention on God is important. It's also an exchange of love. And that means like when you worship, when you're pouring out your love to God, the Bible says that as you draw close to him, he's going to draw close to you. So like you're pouring out your love to him. And at the same time, you're going to feel his love for you. That's what it means to worship in spirit. And I know that might sound a little like, um, a hocus pocus dominocus, but, um, <laughs> but like that's that's what worship is about. It's a worship in spirit and in truth. It's a spiritual experience where you're exchanging love with God. You're pouring out your love to God, and He is showing His love for you. The second thing is truth. It's a worship in spirit and in truth. And if you don't know, the Bible was originally not written in English, but we have translated the Old Testament from Hebrew and some Aramaic, and the New Testament from the Greek language. And this Greek language for truth here is aletheia, and that word just means concerning facts like it just means truth you know so like to to folk to worship concerning facts to me i interpret that as genuineness like you're not pretending so when you worship factually like you are you mean it you know you are genuine in your worship because there's lots of ways to worship not in truth and if you're just reading words off of a screen and and making noise with your mouth like that's the extent of your worship you're not worshiping in truth. If you are worshiping and your mind is focused on other people and you're thinking like, oh, I need to raise my hands to impress other people or like I better sing more quietly so no one hears me and I'm not embarrassed, like that's not worshiping in truth because you're not focused on God. 
So worship in truth is a genuine focus on God. You're not putting on a front for the people around you or for any other reason, but you are genuinely focused on God, worshiping in spirit and truth. And so for you, that means that we can exercise those things. We need to live that way, worshiping in spirit and truth, both in a lifestyle of worship, as well as this, this music portion of a service that we're going to talk about later, uh, but worshiping in spirit and in truth. God taught me how to do that. So I encourage you to open yourself up to God and say, God, I want to get this. Help me to get this. And I believe you're going to have a moment with him tonight or any time that you call on him. So now we know why, we've talked about when, and we've talked about how to worship. So uh, we're prepared to seek genuine fellowship with God, genuine uh, spiritual experience, focused attention, exchange of love, worship with God. So now you know why do we worship, because he deserves it. When do we worship, all the time, no matter the circumstances. And how do we worship, in spirit and in truth. If you're new here... um, you have heard something that a lot of Christians don't get. Like a lot of Christians just warm a pew on a Sunday morning and they go through the motions and they leave uh, and they're not really concerned about getting this. Um, so you have this opportunity to have a genuine moment with God if, if you're new here. If you're old and you've been coming to this for this stuff forever and you kind of understand worship, I hope that you learn something new or have a new perspective or at least a refreshed perspective on worship. And maybe you realize you have some work to do in your worship life. And I, I hope that you... Uh, take the time to do that. So tonight, we're going to take the opportunity to practice this. We're going to put this into action. We're going to worship together. Uh, and I encourage you, when we go into a time of worship, I want you to open your heart and, and be vulnerable and, say, and talk to God and say, I want to get this, so help me get this. Thank Him for who He is, for what He's done for you. Um, focus on Him and worship Him with an open heart and open mind. And I believe that He's going to meet you. All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much, God, for this evening, for this conversation on worship, the basics of what you want to teach us. God, I thank you that we can learn about you from your word, that we can learn how to follow you with all that we are uh, by reading what your word says about worship in particular tonight. God, I pray that as we move into a time of worship this evening, that you give us a renewed, a refreshed perspective on what it means to worship you and to stay focused on you, God. So help us tonight as we exercise what we've talked about this evening. God, help us. We thank you. Amen.